Hello and welcome. Uh, I think I just hit levels. Whatever. Hello and welcome to the Universe Podcast. We're at probably getting close to episode 250, and we are recording from the Barrel Members Only Room at Four Sons Brewing. That was a really, you're like a Foley guy. Um, that was Patrick Costello, my friend and guest, joining me tonight. And we're here to talk car shows, Patrick. Hey there. Thanks for can having you, me. Can you tell them why we're here to talk car shows? Tell them who you are. Well, we're actually not here to talk car We're here to talk a truck show and then car shows. Well, in, in general, automotive shows. But, but why are you here for that? Who are you? I know who you are, but tell them who you are. Yeah, so I uh, executive produce and run creative on uh, many shows, but a lot of automotive programming. Uh, namely, I mean, we can say some of them. Yeah, uh, for you, sure. We so, worked pseudo together. Like, we weren't yes, literally we in the same yes, room. Yes, we did. You were emailing me from Cuba. Hey, man, I need these. <laughs> tell me about the Lada model in 1960. That was the only one that was, like, dramatically you needed it, though, because yes. you didn't have Wi-Fi. So uh, Patrick was the uh, EP executive producer. That's business talk. He was the EP on Top Gear US when it was good. I can say that. You, you don't. The last season of the History Channel version of Top Gear. Right. Okay. That's a better way to put it. Uh, I'm going to stick with my version, though, especially because... It was a great season. The last season that it was good was... I, it was easy money for me. So thank you. <laughs> hey, can we, I need, tell we you needed a story? your mad expertise. <laughs> can I tell you a story about that before we get into other stuff? Um, when I first uh, interviewed for the job, like a friend of a friend contacted me contacted me through Facebook, recommended me to someone else. Then I, w- I drove up to LA, interviewed, and it just went really well. Um, and my goal was, or the position was to just write basically all the, you guys called them pub nuggets, which was a That le- was a holdover from the UK version. And I changed it to like, just Carfax or something. I'm like, let's call them what they are. There's pub something nuggets. American. Yeah. Like I'm not Richard, uh, whatever the Richard Porter, uh, clearly. Um, but, uh, I, um, Initially, I overheard that the budget was like twelve five for, say, three months' worth of work or something, whatever it was. And then later on in email discussions, I heard the budget was 15 I'm like, well, I'm charging 15 <laughs> Like, if I hear in emails that they're charging 15 initially I go and expect twelve five. So it was like a really good three That's months. That's the most television thing ever right Right? There. Someone yes. telegraphed like, oh, yeah, the, so the budget's this. And then like in a later email, like, well, we don't want to spend more than this. I'm like, I'm, now that you've told me these two They numbers, were basically saying you're negotiating is terrible. Right. No, there wasn't negotiation because I was like, <laughs> I'm going to write for Top Gear. This is kind of cool. Um, and it was cool because the very first episode, I swear to God, I watched it. Very first episode of season six or seven. Was it seven? Five. I don't know. They broke them up early I think on into weird it's seven, segments. Though. Potentially. There was like a 4A, 4B, 3A. Oh, okay. So it got a bit weird. The first, the, the final season that it was on history. Yes. Um, the very first episode, I sat down in front of it cracked a beer because of course flipped open my laptop with the notes that I'd written for the show and the first time one of them said something I wrote verbatim I was fucking stoked so that was very cool um that was fun but now uh tell them about your new show we'll get that out of the way oh yeah so the new the new (laughs) show the most recent show airing currently I hope it's still airing when this this airs is truck net in America on history channel this this runs tomorrow so okay perfect uh, you've majorly fucked up perfect Perfect. So, Truck Night in America, we've got a few episodes left. It's, it's, it's doing great, gaining, um, and it's just a fun, big show about trucks. If right. If you like trucks, or you like fun, or both, check it out. And so, when you first told me about the idea, I thought, 
All right, this is going to be one of those typical shows. And I, when you said you got to watch it, you got to see it. I'm like, I'm going to watch it because I like you. I don't <laughs> expect to like the show. I'm in, and I told you this That's after the fact. That's reasonable. Um, but I watched the first episode, and my notes were literally like ultra positive. I'm like, I was rooting for people by the end of it. It was way more entertaining. The build aspect of it, because it's not a build show, was kept to a minimum. And then the, the, the shots were beautiful. Like, I, I think you learned stuff, or not learned stuff, but you took stuff from TGUS because the last two seasons of it, before it was turned into whatever it turned into, you took the cinematic level to what the original BBC show was doing. You bought more expensive cameras. Yes. Like, oh, we're shooting on Arias, this, you know, or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, and you made that prettier. And then there's some shots in the, the first pr promo episode that was sent my way for Truck Night America where I'm like, that is a beautiful shot. The one in the, in the mud, in the yeah. trees. It's yeah. Some gorgeous We were good stuff. at making cars and trucks look, look cool. So we definitely um, brought that over to Truck Night. And it was me, and I was working with uh, one of the same directors I worked with on top. Okay. So we had a shorthand. We were able to efficiently make cars or trucks look great. So. But then you had to, like, you were, you were camped out. At that, at that truck course for yeah. your green hell, which I still disagree with the name, <laughs> but I get it for like months, right? Shooting the show. Yeah, we're. I, <laughs> I I think I did like sixty five nights at the uh, the Hilton Hilton Inn down there in Georgia. Okay. That's not in bad. the summer, Georgia in the summer. Okay, that's bad. I take it back. Oh, that yeah. is bad. Now, it's no joke. We need to get into though. Why can why cannot network television figure out car shows they feed us this and this and and i think you and i agree on this actually um it's very easy to feed the same formula through the the meat cutter and get something on the other side that's pseudo reality based and build shop based and we have a timeline and a deadline and we have a fucking wacky character in the corner and it sells and they're like fuck it no thought i feel like it's a not it's a lot of non-car people feeding stuff to people who are also maybe not car people who think they are and that's why we wind up with the tv we have yeah that's <laughs> that's not wrong i mean getting anything right in, t in television is tricky um but car shows specifically can be can be difficult and i love car content and cracking the code on it even even if you have a totally blank slate can be can be difficult and i was thinking about it earlier today and i think one of the reasons is is because you're trying to you're trying to both make something awesome for car people who have such a deep knowledge and love of a specific area but you're also trying to make it general entertainment that right. everybody can watch that's and the tough spot different audiences uh, that honestly that's what OG Top Gear got so oh, right. They nailed it. They totally um, nailed there it. There were so many non-car enthusiasts who sat with their car enthusiast significant other and watched the show because the trio was hilarious and the things were wacky and zany, but in a way that made sense at the time. If you have good characters, you can do almost anything. Yeah, if you have good characters, you're right. You're right. And that, that goes a long way. Um, so the tough spot is these days, like... Uh, Every, it just feels like everything is the same and they're forcing the shit down our throat and, and there's so many good things being produced in other mediums but that television television is slow to react I think we could agree with that though like they're finally uh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're finally like 
maybe Netflix is, is, is going to take off. And <laughs> Hulu, that's interesting. That's an interesting <laughs> experiment. Let's see what happens there. This web thing. We right. should think about it. Um, Discovery just basically was like, hey, Motor Trend, give us everything. And that's probably that's going to be interesting to yeah, watch. Yeah, I think I'm it's going to work out interested. for both of them. To be totally I honest, so uh, I think Johnny Lieberman will translate to television with the Ignition show. Um, I think they'll have something there, especially with dude. They have to have a British guy now. That's probably why they brought in Jethro, who's yeah. very good at what he does. So it, it, that'll be interesting to see. It'll be an interesting experiment. It could burn and fail miserably, but I don't think it will. And I think their decision to just kind of step away from YouTube is smart. Um, I like YouTube, but YouTube is also at the same time... I like that YouTube enables anybody to create the content that they want to create. However, the model is broken a bit. Um, but that's Our, it. It's tough for creators, right? Very. Uh, it's only gotten worse. The, the, the amount of money that YouTube kicks down to, to us peasants who lift it up at the same time. Like Everybody who makes a video for YouTube is helping YouTube. And on the flip side, YouTube is like, let me just look at the top. It's, it's actually like a view into our own economy where like, there's a money thing and it goes, you know what? The 1% of you are awesome. 99% of you can suck a dick. <laughs> And that's kind of what YouTube is like right now. Um, I have some, some friends in the space who are working their way through it and doing very well. And then I just don't have enough time and energy to put the effort in to grow our own channel because of there's other things I need to do. Interesting for car content, though. There's a lot of it on YouTube. There is a, there is a ton of it. Checking out stuff. There is a ton of it. And as I found lately, there's also a ton of... Um, children's toy video reviews because that is videos. my life now if you pulled up my my like recommended videos you know when you first land on youtube it is literally just disney princess toy videos that's all it is um with then an occasional like uh, there'll be like matt farris face in one corner so your ads must be awesome that you say um i have ad blocking on <laughs> no, I'm i i whitelist the things I want to whitelist uh, because I'm a smart internetner, but I also want people who I enjoy to get their their ad revenue, so I whitelist them, which is how you should all be doing it. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting space with the internet, and, and we've had conversations. We've had interesting conversations, I think, where we talk about what sort of shows would do well in certain spaces, and then I tell you how I think it would work on the internet and our, the, just the numbers sometimes confound you coming from television, where you're like, yeah, the average budget for the show is X. I'm like, oh, on the internet, we could, we could do not TV-level shit, but I mean we could churn something out for like one, <laughs> just a fractional piece of it. And you're like, hmm, no wonder you guys can't <laughs> fucking buy yourselves dinner. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 hard because for different buyers, you're you're making shows that are for a specific audience that has specific expectations, and along with those come styles that are preferred by the buyer, and you're you're you you end up making it for the uh, you're making it for the the client, and not necessarily. You, I'm going to stop audience. you there because our pizza's here. So we have Sweet. a pizza, and we're going to pause, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, we just had pizza. We needed uh, something to put in our bellies because we just had a fair amount. I lied to you. It's better on top. I'm looking at the levels. Don't listen to me. It's better like this as close to your, like near your lips. I'm looking at the levels trying to make sure we sound all right. We just had pizza because we're having beer because we're at Four Sons Brewing because they are awesome and letting us use this space. And we're talking 
automotive television. And this beer is fantastic. The beer is fantastic. Uh, we recorded our 200th episode here, and now we're recording a random one um, with no audience. Um, but it's great. It's nice and empty. 250, though, right? Uh, I don't Ish. know. If, I don't think it's actually 250. Okay. It's probably like 248, 249. Um, and I just turned my head, so we didn't burp directly in your ear holes. So we're talking automotive television, and it is a tough space. We're off... Well, the audio was silent. We were talking about how YouTube sucks. Um, but for the right people, it's still working. Patrick was a guest on Matt's podcast, which is a good example of using YouTube correctly. His move to one takes was brilliant. Um, totally. Production value. Limit those costs. Production. Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. As a producer, you must be like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. Genius. Right. Genius. Limit the costs. Sell the strengths. Everything, and everything good. And Zach is now taking them over, and it's great. And he's doing his one takes on stuff for Road and Track. So he's double dipping in the best way possible. And by that, I mean he's getting paid to write a story about the car, and he's getting paid to shoot a one take through YouTube. It's fucking money. Um, but when it comes to car shows, like you and I have been pitching ideas for car shows two to three years, I'd say. It yeah, feels like. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because you and I will both get excited about an idea, and then we both start to think about it and be like, I go into my like, all right, what's it like? What do I need to do on my end to make this work? And then you, immediate television producer, are like, huh, like numbers, office, uh, sec- like you think of it's funny when you run up the cost of a television show. The reason television shows cost so much is, and the, that YouTube is so cheap is because it's like me and a camera guy and we can create decent stuff. But on a television show, it's, it's obviously the quality is much higher, but there's also, they rent offices. They have very expensive equipment. There are multiple secretaries. There are multiple fax machines. There are multiple computers. All of that yes, yes. per television show. There's also an expectation of production value on, yeah, on yeah. some no, of the, some of the clients. Number one. Yeah. But it's, it is, you know, and there's, there's different thresholds. Like even on our most recent show, we'll get things kicked back for technical reasons. And you're like, what? And it does, none of it makes sense, but it's not even the technical stuff they got to worry about. It's like the people that manage the technical stuff right. because they have different at the network. They've got a laundry list of things that you have to do to pass their QC quality control. And all those things have people managing them. And then you have to have people and managing like them. And all those are costs. Audio quality control. Yeah. Like yeah. The audio needs to be like this and the and the it needs to be sharp audio levels and sometimes you get down to like megabits per second on your primary cameras i mean there's a lot of technical aspects that that increase costs on those things that 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 mean that their viewer of their their brand whatever that channel is they're going to see gets a consistent product yeah and does that vary by network it's 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 pretty consistent. A among, it's pretty standard. consistent among the So networks, you go to a show, yeah. you're like, we need to hit these numbers at a minimum. Yeah, like you can use a crappy camera for a limited percentage of the show, but uh, uh, you can't use it beyond that. And even then, they so get like, upset. Like a quick cut to a GoPro on the side of a car. A GoPro is usually fine, but for example, we used a very cool uh, uh, camera on Truck Night called. That's- the 360, 360 Fly. The 360 Fly camera. Shout out to 360 Fly who hooked us up with some great stuff. They're not listening. But go um, <laughs> anyway, great camera. And, and we have some some unique shots that 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 you won't see anywhere else on television of these this camera that kind of kind of pan around 360 degree space as you're moving around the truck, which makes it feel like you're riding shotguns. It's very cool. But the f- the individual frames within that are below the standards yeah, of television. There's no good 360 camera yet. 
which is funny. No, it's it's just a it's a data rate because you got to imagine it's it's capturing an entire yeah, sphere. Yeah, capturing everything, right? Yeah, so that's an incredible amount of data True. to capture and to to do the processing power and all that stuff is is uh, there's just a lot of it, so it's okay. hard to do. That makes it's hard to do well. I, I haven't checked out the GoPro Fusion. That might be that might be a cool camera. Is I that a three sixty? It's deal? a three sixty camera too. They have two lenses, whereas our camera had one. Oh, but, I know that. I thought that was more of a three D camera. No, the GoPro Fusion is a 360-degree okay. camera. Because they did try a 3D... No, it was a 3D mount that used two GoPros. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was. Um, but, yeah, 3D. Everybody's big on 3D, right? How's your 3D TV? Yeah, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, a thing about Anybody a year or two Anybody bought a 3D ago. TV is like, oh, shit. I haven't used this in four... No, my, my television does do 3D. Does it really? I put the glasses on once as a novelty, and then I don't even know where they went. Right. Okay. That's good to know. Um, so, so, automotive television is fucking hard. We're going to move to some questions now. Uh, and I have to stand up because the computer's way over here. <laughs> but thankfully, I'm not tethered by my microphone. Uh, let's see. All right, questions. Let's load more comments. Please. I have a question for you. Go for it. Uh, every time I listen to these questions on podcasts, it says Patreon is the best. Yeah. Why, why yeah. is that? Because they pay money. Got it. Um, <laughs> they, they are the best, though. They, Patreon pays money, so they get their questions asked for that was great 100 percent agree like with that cued that up uh dina honda asked hey guys i have a 2016 gti an 01 honda s2000 a 2000 s10 extreme and a honda cbr 600 rr cool bike uh i said that he didn't say that i uh people have reviewed the gti and the st s2000 so i'm spoiled because i have all these cars and bikes uh Wait, he asked, am I spoiled because I have all these cars and bikes? I mean, yeah, you have more cars and bikes than most people. Um, but his real question is, my next car is going to be a first-gen NSX. What should I look for? Um, <laughs> Patrick just looked at me and went, well, I don't know. Um, no idea. Just, I mean, the lower mileage, the better, because a lot of these are creeping up towards 100,000 miles. So the lower, the better in terms of a return on your investment. Um, okay, so technically, I, looking at other cars, like say the 996 Porsche has like you need to see if the IMS bearing's been done, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a few other makes and models of cars out there, like the right, Vanos, right, right. Vanos, and like an E60. I don't think this. I don't think the the NSX doesn't have anything like that that I know of. And then the only thing is avoid the automatic because it's down on power. But I think that might have been a Gen Two thing. I'm not a hundred percent. So just enjoy your pop up headlights and have fun. So there's no specific fail points on that. Not that I know of because it's a Honda. Uh, and he asked, so what's up with doing a video podcast with Super Chat? We are looking into it. Chris is planning on building a studio. Uh, so we're going to add a video component to this podcast. Nice. Robert Warzenak asked, Nürburgring? Question mark. Uh, I am coming to the ring. I am not going to be there for the N24 like I thought. I will be there the week after N24. So I'm going to the Nürburgring to not drive an unannounced car on the Nürburgring. But I'm staying at the Durant Hotel, which is the hotel next to the Nürburgring. So, yeah. Convoluted. I have no idea what any of that means. So, there's the Nürburgring 24-hour race. I'm arriving there like five days after the race is over. Got it. Staying at a hotel that basically overlooks the back straight of the GP course, which is where they come back into the stadium off the main. Got it. Got it. And then I'm driving a car that hasn't even been announced yet, and I can't tell you what it is because... Uh, it will. They'll announce it in, uh, ten days from now. I'm looking at. Do they still alternate courses there? They used to alternate between Nurburgring and Hockenheim for the F1 races. Um, do they still do that? They don't do F1. They haven't done F1 at Nurburgring for decades, um, just because 
because I think they still do Hockenheim, but I'm not 100% on that because F1 is boring. Um, well, no. The, the, this season's been fantastic. Yeah, that crash between the two Red Bull drivers was fucking amazing. This season, it's been a good season. Right. Um, Kevin Schrage, I was contemplating the end of the sedan era the other night. You've heard of this? Ford is, is killing sedans? Yep. After Except for the Mustang and, and the, a the fusion of some sort. Yeah, it's not a fusion that it's even out yet. I concluded the core markets for sedans after many beers. I concluded the core markets for sedans are bargain hunters and performance enthusiasts. I mean, that's not that's kind of true. With that in mind, when the three box apocalypse winds down, what are the odds we'll see cars that can pull double duty? We'll see mostly cheap sedans that are a tune and a set of coilovers from being good performers, or will we see shit boxes with rims and stickers? I think no, because any modern car is decent. And then you add a tune and some performance bits, and it's going to be great. So uh, that's the way I'm going. Like, just look at any Volkswagen fan. They can turn a Jetta or a Passat into something really good when you're like, oh, okay, good for you. Uh, Dan Mosqueda. I don't want phony contrived arguments. Oh, this is a good one for you. I don't want phony contrived arguments and deadlines in build shows. I think, it's, I think it cheapens the shows and talent. Thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. In in television, you try to steer clear of the fake shit. Um, you know, so if there's genuine conflict, play that because it is interesting and it's 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 interesting to watch people sort out their differences. Their television and entertainment in general, movies loves a ticking clock. It's been around since the beginning of all media as we know it. So people tend to try to infuse that as a, as a way to create stakes in a show and get to watch it. But if it doesn't work, it, it's terrible. Right. If it doesn't work, it's terrible. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get it right. Like on truck night, we have a legit, we have a legit clock, which means like but if I your shit's you not well, if you're not, if, well, it's because it's real. If your right. shit's not fixed, you can't go back out on the course, right. you know, and then you lose. Right. I mean, it's, it's hundred percent real as opposed to like some shows where you're looking at it and you're like, why, do they need to fix this by this time? Is yeah. the customer really coming? And no, do they exactly. really care? Well, the thing I liked on yours was like, it wasn't like we're going to build a custom roll cage in an hour. It was like, we're going to swap out your fucking front stabilizer bar. Yeah, it was mostly fixing things yeah, that just fixing broke. things, which makes, and it was things that could be fixed in the hour or whatever the allotted time was. Ryan Kelly, this is not a car question. I just went for a mountain bike ride. There is brown stuff on my legs, and I'm not sure it's mud. Should I taste it to determine what it is? I say yes, because you're disgusting. Um, I'm moving over to Twitter questions now. I, sometimes Patreon is better than everybody else, but Ryan, you are pushing the boundaries tonight. <laughs> uh, all right. Untitled Car Show, at Untitled Car Show on Twitter, uh, which is a podcast you should all listen to, asks, should I buy Fiero? Not a Fiero, but just Fiero. Should I buy Fiero? Very caveman-like. I don't care for the Fiero, and I have friends in New England who do, and I just don't care for it. I, I grew up thinking the Fieros were cool, but if I'm remembering correctly, there were two kinds of Fieros, and one was a time bomb, and the other ran well. There's I forget what it was. formula. That I don't know what the bi- I don't know what the difference between them is, but it feels like the MR2 is probably the smarter buy regardless. They look good too, <laughs> right? Uh, I prefer th- my Fieros to look like F40s. There you go. Live and let die cast at, on Twitter says rest in peace, Sir Roger Moore, who, who died earlier this month. And his question just reads James Bond trucks. And the only one I really know is the Kenworth from Live and Let Die, where the guy gets it on two wheels to mi- dodge a missile. 
That's the only real truck I know. I know there's been Range Rovers and other shit like that, but that's the only truck that stands out to me. It's usually bad guys in the trucks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, especially Inspector in the awesome uh, yeah. d- uh, Batista, Dave Batista. Yeah. Francois at Real Francois VDS, friend of the show. Not a real question. Pull a Teslanda with the wagon, a.k.a. Tesla motor swap. That's going to be a no for me, dog. Uh, Nathan Hoyt at Nathan Hoyt asked, what is Miata? And they posted a picture of a Jeopardy thing. Miata is the is what people think is the answer to every question, but I strongly disagree. Um, I think there are many better, better choices out there than a Miata. And then Jacob at Jacober91 says, petrol versus diesel 4x4. I really like diesel 4x4s just because of the torque. I mean, what do you, what's... Are there diesels on Truck Night in America? There are. They're less. There's. They're less frequent. Um, we had some uh, great turbo diesels rolling coal out there. And oh, it was okay. awesome. But the, the gasoline engines tended to, they to do better. Yeah. Um, we're the, jumping. The torque was good for the pulling stuff because right. they're usually heavy as shit through the green hell. The diesels didn't did do great on the. the they didn't do great on the. We did have some diesels in the green hell that didn't do great, but they did great with the pulling stuff. Nice. Uh, I am actually going to pause it because I need to pee so bad. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to go to the bathroom. Um, that's what happens when you, you look drink. more comfortable. I'm 37, and when you drink like a beer and a half, it, it, <laughs> that's what happens. So we're moving to Facebook question. Um, this, is a, this is a good car show question because I haven't watched this yet, and I want to, and I, I want to know if you've watched it yet. Did you watch the Netflix show Fastest Car? If you did, what are your thoughts? I liked it for the most part. It's a little corny, and the term sleeper car is tough phrase to label. All in all, I hope they do a second season. I haven't watched it. I watched the trailer, and I thought it looked interesting in a good way. Yeah, I, so I, I try to watch everything um, in the car space. I did watch it. I watched the first episode, so you know you got to watch a few. You got to watch a few to have a good representation. Be of the show. It wasn't for me. Okay, it wasn't for me, and you know the reason is it was called fastest car, but you only see cars going fast in a drag race at the end of the show, and the rest of it was just character building. That's it. And that's there's the, one race at the end. Yes. the rest is like kind yes. of like a shit talking, dick measuring. Thing. Not even. Oh, okay. not even a lot of character packages. You find, and they are interesting people, and some of them were a little obvious, like BC from BC Motor, yeah, who's yeah. awesome, and his minivan is lunch, awesome. Money garage there too, right? Yeah, so it's like people that are f- going to be familiar I, to people in the car biz, um, and they're great characters. But it's Salamone, the Lambo guy, right? Was yes, he in that first one. Yeah, it seems so, but it, it seemed a little obvious. But in any event, I wanted to see at least more testing or more driving or like a, more like a road course or something more car like i just wanted to see them out there doing more testing or doing more car stuff it was more character building less car stuff it, in the yeah wrong direction. it okay. looked beautiful though it was really yeah. well shot it looks beautiful um characters characters are good okay i just had a hard time watching there you go that's a good answer russell gorley i enjoy the content the hoonigans produce and their overall light-hearted attitude but it seems like in the wild, I only see Hoonigan stuff on parts of car culture I'd rather not associate with. E.g., you use that correctly. Thank you very much. Example given. A clapped out state. I always comment when people use I.E. or E.G. wrong, which is really shitty of me. A what clap- is the difference so the viewers uh, EG know? E.G. means example given. So if you're about to give a bunch of examples, you use E.G. I.E. I forget. The- <laughs> so I-, I can't remember now because I've pissed it out of my head. But something other than examples. Yeah, example given. Just if you want to give examples, use E.G. Um, a clapped, that's why I'm not a good editor. A clapped out stance car aggressively weaving through traffic or the dude revving the piss out of the engine at a car meet. Am 
I being a snob? Help me reconcile my feelings for the Hoonigan brand. The, uh, so I'm friends with them. Um, the people who are there are good people. Um, but, I, I mean, you wind up seeing stickers and license plate frames on certain vehicles. Uh, I, I've seen a fair mix of it. I've seen a fair mix of it where you see it on other vehicles where you're like, cool, that guy's repping Hoonigan. I've seen it on desert trucks covered in dirt. Not like race trucks, but like some dude's Tacoma that's done up. Um, so it could be where you live where it attracts that certain attention. Aren't you in Vegas, Russell? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to make any comments about that. Uh, but I, I think it, it depends where you live and where you ca- catch it. If you go to the right things, and you never know, you might talk to one of these. Well, if they're all doing the annoying things, but if you see one at a, yeah, revving your engine at a car meet isn't great. So I was going to say if he was just sitting there leaning against his car, that'd be different. But I don't know. Um, that's not a good answer, but that's my answer. Blake Swan, thoughts on if Ford moves to kill cars? And industry is an industry trend or just Ford as a company failing to figure out how to make a profit on selling cars as a company. I think it's short-sighted and it's them chasing the market rather than trying to establish the market. So we'll see how that goes. Ryan Walsh, lots of talk about, and I'm trying to run through these so we can circle back to car, uh, the car show stuff. Ryan Walsh, lots of talk about Tesla running out of cash by August or so. If they were to reach out to an automaker for help in exchange for a large stake in the company, who would it be or what our automaker might try to buy a large stake in Tesla to save it and get a great lead from the EV game? Apple. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, on the automaker never side, happen. they already have They're not going to run out of They cash. already have a relationship with Toyota. Uh, because of Numi, so there's that possibility, and then another one. Um, I mean, I don't know. People are kind of like I think a lot of the automakers are kind of stepping away from them because they realize it's a full-on Silicon Valley attitude where they think they can do it themselves. And a lot of these automakers, in private, would tell you they can't wait to watch them potentially fail as they roll out their own EV tech. So who knows? They are burning a lot of cash. Ross Ballot, who will be the first to try to outdo the ZR1 in terms of performance value, and who will it be? Performance value against a ZR1 is a tough call. I mean, Porsche would tell you that even though their car might cost more, it's still better performance value. Um, The arguments can be all manipulated based on how the automakers see their car and the competition. Some people wouldn't want to be associated with a Corvette. Isn't it an experience value, though, when you sit in the car? Is it the experience? Uh, Apparently, sitting there, you see so much engine coming out of the hood. and and, um, So I I think the ZR1 is kind of going to be the, the king in the performance value space for what it can do and because it, it, it's fucking crazy. That car's crazy. Um, wish you were still shooting Top Gear so we could like see that oh ripping across a salt flat. Oh my God, yes. And I could write all the facts and then figure out what the actual budget for my position was. <laughs> uh, David Bodenstein, thoughts on how easy it's becoming every day to get yourself into a 500 horsepower car? It's nuts, but the cars are actually so manageable because traction control systems are very, very good. Um, I was just telling someone the other day because they were like, oh, so-and-so got a Hellcat. Are they crazy? If you just cruise around, a Hellcat is a pussycat. Um, it has a shitload of power, but, it, I mean, it, it's nuts. But and you don't really need to know how to drive these days with that much power. I know. It's, it's crazy. You should know how to drive. You should, if you, you should if you're driving around five, six, seven hundred horsepower, but you don't need to. Right. Tommy Loretto, what to look for when buying a vintage Benz? Mine? Because um, it's going to be on the block soon-ish. Though, 
um, I feel I feel like conflicted about this because it is literally at an audio shop right now getting a full sound system done and it's going to be fucking awesome. Um, and then eventually it's going to be for sale to make room for my Ben's wagon. Uh, so there's that. So if you want to look for a vintage Ben's with a fucking killer sound system, I know who to talk to. Where can they find it, Jeff? Uh, Lake Forest, California. Um, Chris Cavalier, what is wrong with modern day BMW? I mean, really, great question for you. What kind of car did you drive here in? I drove here in a BMW. Which BMW? Uh, an E46. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good Old one. school. Not an M3? No. Okay. Uh, the thing wrong with modern-day BMW is they are creating... They think they are filling white spaces that don't, I believe, exist. They're forcing them. Too like many models. X4 Grand Coupe GT fuck faces. I don't even know what the badges so say. So many. It's alphanumeric bullshit. They don't even adhere to the, the... You notice they never bring up Ultimate Driving Machine. There's a reason, because they do not make the Ultimate Driving Machine anymore. Uh, there are some gems hidden in the lineup, but they're harder to find when before you would look at a and w and go, that thing's great, that thing's great, that thing's great. Now you go, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Ugh. I was just looking at the BMW page, and they had the... This yesterday, I think, and they had the M6, and it was a four-door, and I was... Very confused. That's the way I thought the M, if you wanted an M in a sedan, I thought it was the M5, but now the M6 is a four door. Well, like, that's the somebody M6 explained Grand it. Coupe. So it has coupe in the name. It didn't say that. It's a it's sedan. The and then they make the GT versions, which make you want to throw up. So confusing. Um, BMW has lost the plot massively, and I thought that Mercedes would stay away from doing that because I love Mercedes, but they are chasing them down this bullshit rabbit hole. Audi is even starting to do it to some extent, but it's not quite as bad, but they are definitely doing it too. Um, I don't know. It, the German offerings are a bit of a shit show at the moment. Still, I would love to see uh, an RS5. I cannot wait to drive an RS5 Sportback because that is going to be a dope car, even though that goes against everything I just said. Um, but there's, 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 yeah, BMW, they just lost the plot is really what it is. Um, so are they going to make that new 8 Series? Oh, yeah. Some people have already driven the prototype. Wow. Scott, uh, Scott from Motor Trend has driven a prototype version of it, and I think he said it was amazing. Um, so, that, I mean, that'll be dope. That'll be, that'll be a cool car. Um, what do you want to see in the car world? You want to talk cars? Yeah, so circling back to car. Oh, in the car world? Yeah, car world. You bring it up because I'm going to eat this last Yeah, I'm an, so. I, I'm an analog guy. I, it's, it, it, I think we're going to quickly, over the next 20 years, get back to you're either in an, some autonomous thing being driven somewhere by having some numb experience where you're on your phone, or you're looking for an emotional experience in a car, in which case it's analog, hydraulic steering, manual transmissions. I think, I think those will live, hopefully, in a place where people who actually enjoy driving can drive them, but with all the safety features that modern-day technology presents and a decent infotainment system. That's the tough spot, right? Um, Just those two things. So good safety features, analog driving experience. It, w- it would be neat to see as the world marches towards autonomous EV vehicles to have companies break out and be like, it, it, it'd be like how people buy pre-ripped jeans, for $200, where you'll be like, oh, I want a vehicle that reminds me of the BMW 2002, and I'm willing to pay $200,002 to, to own it. So, it's, I mean, I think that experience is going to be offered up in the future, and I'm talking the, the, 
a, not like distant future, but the distant, like not, not in 10 years, but I'm talking like 25 years to 50 years that there could be these boutique automobiles where you get to drive them. And Bob Lutz actually said this on this very podcast to Blake Wrong, where he thinks much like the, the way of the horse, you go to a country club and you'll drive, you'll go to your stable and your pit, you'll, you'll pull your car out and you'll drive it around your country club raceway. And I think we're like multiple decades away from that, like multiple, multiple decades away from that. But I do also believe that that is true. But well, within our lifetime. You think so? It's certainly possible. I just took a big bite of pizza. but I, I mean, don't we all want, I mean, I don't want a resto mod. What I really want is a car with a warranty, a car with a, a great infotainment system and great safety features that I can feel when I drive it, that I can yeah. shift it, that creates that emotional experience. Because at the end of the day, you're looking, you're looking to smile and have an emotional experience driving these things. Yes. And feel excited, like psyched. We're going to have to circle gonna have to circle back to it though because nobody is going to offer hydraulic steering in the short term and no and the manual is about is not gonna it's not about to die but it's its existence is limited um so it, it, it's a weird time to be a car enthusiast because we're right on the cusp of a tipping point towards evs being affordable by all um when a Volkswagen Golf, when a Volkswagen EV Golf, which is actually a great car because it just drives like a car, when that becomes even more affordable, um, and then like say the Tesla Model Three helps drive things out. So the so the Chevy Bolt, the Volkswagen Golf, and then a few a handful of others because everybody else is electrifying. When the market is filled with more of those options and the price drops down to the price of just a normal car, that's the tipping point for a lot of Americans, I'm sure. And um, then it's kind of like we're in, a, we're in I don't want to say free fall, but it's a whole new world for internal combustion where now its time is actually limited. And there's a, there's a clock hanging over its head for as long as you can drive those on the street. Because stopping for gas is annoying. And if you could just charge up every night when you're home and never have to do that... You're going to be happier. On the flip side, though, I love not I don't like filling up my Benz because it's a rear tank and I have to sit on the bumper and it's an awkward position. However, pouring the vision, the visual of me, say I had like a 68 charger and I was stopped for fuel and the sun is setting over the Pacific Coast Highway and I'm pouring dead dinosaurs into the gas tank of my 68 charger. That's that's. I'm, I want to go out that way. Like, that's the way I want to go out when I'm, like, like 74 because I won't be able to drive the car and I'll just veer off. Like, Fuck off he died from sniffing like, gas I'll, in the I desert. I want to go through. I want to push it. I want to lose control and airborne through Matthew McConaughey Jr.'s Airstream trailer and continue on into the ocean. So you want a Thelma and Louisa. Yeah, and there'll be drones and, and all kinds of cameras that capture it, so it'll be fucking awesome. And I'll turn to the camera midair and be like, and just say, like, goodbye to my daughter and my wife. And, and they'll be like, that's what, that's, he said that's how he wanted to go. He said that's how he wanted to go, and he did it. The, <laughs> look at the size of that lad, the absolute unit. Um, <laughs> that's dark, man. Yeah, I just thought of that. Pizza and beer, that's what it does to you. Yeah. Do you have any more thoughts on the car? Because I'm ready. I'm. <laughs> I think we kind of go out on that. Yeah. Just. Uh, I want to know from you. Circling back to where once we came, 
what would what do you look for in car shows? I'm not sure if we did it did it justice. We did. Not we know. all we all we all try to make right. shows and come up with shows in a post Top Gear world where there's a lot of copycats now, and everybody wants something different. Sure, but everybody wants the same. I will give you so your, your what. What your, would you like to see? Uh, tell your network to invoice me for the um, what do you call that when you uh, when you pull like. Um, you want a consulting fee on this? No, not a consulting fee, but yeah, consulting fees are where it's at. But when you like invite like 10 random schlubs off the street to watch your show, you're, um, fuck, what is the term for, uh, I can't think of it, and it's going to annoy me and everybody's going to tweet it at me, which is fine. Um, for out of a car show, non-manufactured drama, which is tough because a show needs drama and you might not have drama week to week. Um, I want to have someone I can root for which I did find in Truck Night in America, which was great. I hate fake deadlines. Um, that seems to be a universal thought. People I think tend to like really, viewers thought. tend to really hate fake deadlines. Fake deadlines, like, oh, we got to get this car. Like, the owner's coming. Like, just tell him to wait a week. And he'll be like, okay, I have 10 other cars to drive because I'm spending $200,000 on this build. I can wait. I'll chopper home and I'll be in the I'd case. rather wait and have it be done better. That's the answer. I'd rather wait and have it be done than have you fucking bozos rush to finish it. Um, it's, it's a tough call because enthusiasts are changing. So, like, I always... It, it's a weird landscape for car lovers right now. I love that the Radwood show and the, the love of 80s and 90s cars is growing. Um, I don't want to say that the, the boomers are dying off. So, you know what would be an actually really interesting show? To, to somehow, and I have no idea how you do this, but to follow the changing trends in vehicles coming to major auction houses and values and how they're changing. Um, this could be a boring as fuck show, but I, in my head it sounds good. Um, so boomers are dying off. In a few years, most of us are not going to, who are left, don't want to buy a 55 Bel Air. You know, like we don't want that car but we want a 94 Supra. So to see like totally. what's showing up at Meekum and what's showing up at R&M and what's showing up at Barrett-Jackson to like, this needs to be a, this is more of like a documentary that needs to be spun out. Uh, what was the Richard Linkletter movie where he followed a kid from like oh, birth yeah. to, um, <laughs> to basically through high school? I, you know right what, there. I, you know I, I know exactly about. what you're talking about. Like we it need took to, 10 years to make it. We need to chart that. But for car auctions and enthusiast buyers to be like, oh, the, the, last, the last surviving. But make it more like a Richard Attenborough, BBC Life Part 2, Part 3, really. Um, look at over there. The last 55 Bel Air owner is receding into the ocean. <laughs> and the cars will shoot off into space like the dolphins from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Thanks for the, all the fish. Um, and then, like, another person will morph into his place and be like, nope, I want a fucking 98 Mustang, or I want a 94 Super, or I want a 3000 GT. Like, that's the shift that's happening because those people who want those cars are finally in a position to afford them, and we're at the cusp of a changing of the classic car buying guard, and I did not, I just didn't answer your question at all. I just developed a new show that no one will buy and no one will watch. <laughs> I, I love it. it. What's interesting about it is those cars relative to there's those ages of the people dying are probably the same thing as like the Supra and yeah. you know, the Fox body yeah, compared to, inverse, to uh, an our age. Number. 
they were alive when they were like, I don't want this. Who's going to buy that piece of shit? And, um, but there were a few of them who were like the cool grandpa, like, look at me. I got a 92 Supra. You better hold on to this thing. That would thing. be the coolest grandpa ever. <laughs> if, you, if you put this on Bring a Trailer 30 years from now, I'm going to fucking kill you. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I just, I didn't answer your question, but I, I, I created new ones. That's what we do on the show. Yeah, car shows are hard, but there, there's a lot. There's a car lot out there. Are, car podcasts are dumb. Yeah, well, there's so much fun though. Pizza, yeah. beer, and car talk. Yeah, how can you beat that? But they're, they are they are they're difficult, but fun as hell. And there's there's many more ideas out there. To, well, you're making to good find. ones. So I, I I was a fan of TGUS before I worked for it. So it was fun to work on it. It was, I mean, it was amazing. I'd never had a... Tele- we had a great season. I it never was a had great a television, television credit. That's my only television credit, I think. Um, which Consulting producer, which is funny. That's good credit. Well, the, can I, I can tell the story behind that. is because it's a non-Writers Guild show. No writers on non-union shows. And I'm not in the Writers Guild anyway. I'm not in any guilds. So they came up with the title. They're like, we'll just call you Consulting Producer. I'm like, that sounds better than I would have come up with. I would have been like, like Car Douche or something. <laughs> Which actually would have been fucking great. Um, I would have made that my profile on Facebook. If only we'd come up with that, that idea at the time. It would <laughs> have been perfect. through. Yeah. Like someone in history would have been like, wait, what does that say? <laughs> just spell it like French. <laughs> it's a, re- it's a re- reference to a Citroen. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and... So that was fun. And then, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going, which is a good sign that it maybe is now actually time to wrap it up. So uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. One more time before we uh, uh, wrap up here. Um, Wait, let me, I, let me, yes. I, I, I let you, yes. I let my guests do this. Tell everybody what you want to pitch. Because well, well, I could th- feel it was coming. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, we got a few more episodes left of Truck Night in America. Uh, on History Channel, 10 Hoonover o'clock stamp of on approval. Thursdays. It's a fun show. If you like fun or like trucks, check it out. We have also fun? now casting for season two. Oh, Now shit. casting for season two. If you've got a badass truck or just a regular truck, Ooh, we get the love those done. most of all. <laughs> uh, and you want, you, want to, you want to come on and, and, and face off against everybody else, go to www.trucknightcasting.com, www.trucknightcasting.com. It'll take you 30 seconds to fill out the stuff, and you could win 10 grand, because that's if, what we give away every episode. If they pick you, and you decided to go on because of this show, email me at jeffathuniverse.com, and we will sticker the shit out of your truck. And I don't care what they say. We will hide stickers. I'll uh, let it fly. Okay, I'll then, let it fly. Boom. Make that shit and happen. You, you don't need a badass truck. You could buy a truck on Craigslist for two grand, get an F-150, throw, it, throw, a, throw a mild lift on it for... Not a lot of money, and bring probably it better the off with the Toyota. Um, <laughs> so yeah. there you go, Truck Night America. Watch it. Keep watching the rest of the seasons. If you think you have what it takes, go to what was it? Trucknightcasting.com. Trucknightcasting.com. Go to trucknightcasting.com. Get your truck and your rig on the show. These are street legal trucks. These are like these aren't fucking actual unmon or heavily modified raw um, rock crawlers. These aren't trophy trucks. These are trucks that people take 
as their weekend warrior builds and, and go like these are real trucks that are street, street legal, legal trucks right, street with legal regular trucks. people. That's so what makes so it awesome. Go on there um, and then uh, follow me on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff on Twitter at Jay Glucker. Where are you? James Patrick Costello on Instagram. There you go. Um, and then follow me. Uh, follow, also follow at the Real Hooniverse on both of those. Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch our videos there. And then uh, go to Hooniverse.com and read something for a change. I'm a big fan of this stuff. There you go. There you go. Thank you, sir. Uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thank you for having me. Uh, bye.